Welcome to the Write It Down podcast at home edition. I'm your host, Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, inspire, and encourage. Up next is one of my favorites, Rich Eisen. He's the host of the Rich Eisen Show on the Roku channel and NFL Network's Game Day Morning. He is such a pleasure to talk to. He has definitely paved the way for show hosting and someone that I've looked up to in my career. And I actually got to meet him down in Miami a couple of years ago before the pandemic. And he is who he says he is. When the camera is off and the microphone is off as well, he is the greatest guy. And so I'm super honored and humbled that he came on the show to share a little bit of his story in the TV show hosting world. You know what to do. Sit back, relax, and get your pens ready because this is Write It Down. Welcome back to the Write It Down podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Murata, on the mic with the host of the Rich Eisen Show and the Roku channel and NFL Network's Game Day Morning. Rich Eisen, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It was so exciting to be able to talk to you again. We met down in Miami um, at the Super Bowl. And Rich, you are so warm. And it was so cool to be able to meet you because I've grown up watching you um, slightly younger than you. So when I watch football, I think of Rich Eisen and um, just all the awesome things that you've done with the NFL Network. So it was really cool to be able to meet you. And then you welcomed me. You welcomed me on set. You were just so cool. So to be able to interview you today is just an honor and a privilege. So thank you so much. Very nice of you to say. Um, Yeah, I remember there in Miami, we had a wild setup there in a parking structure it's kind of weird the way that we were set up there with dan patrick back in the day when man oh man that was a wild time right before the pandemic and um we had just found out that the audience network that was uh, hosting our show was shuttering up so we we kind of crossed paths at an interesting time and um i'm glad to see you doing so well Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of some of the things that have changed in your career, take me back to early 2000s as I was little, but you were making pretty big career money moves, moving from ESPN to the NFL Network. So what was that like for you? Were you like absolutely scared out of your pants? What was that like? And did you have to move your family? What was Rich Eisen's life like? Well, um, the, you know, I didn't really have a family to move other than the fact that I was getting married two weeks after my contract was up. And um, my wife is somebody who's in this business. I met her in the newsroom at ESPN in 96, and she had already moved to Los Angeles to start her on-air career. And um, she was thinking, I guess she was going to move back east because I was going to no doubt resign with ESPN. And those um, those plans, uh, best laid plans, <laughs> sometimes go Uh, and get blown to smithereens and it did when uh, ESPN and I couldn't agree to terms and and they cut me loose and um, uh, I was just just sure of myself Brooke to be honest with you like I really um, thought that I I knew what I could do for a living and I knew what I was doing for a living wasn't the only thing that I could do as a broadcaster and you know, ESPN had already been down the road with Disney for a few years, being owned by Disney for a few years at that point in time. And I wanted to play with other, you know, toys in the Disney uh, toolbox, you know, right. and tool chest and um, do things that I currently see sports center anchors doing, like appearing on Good Morning America or doing right. um, game shows and things of the nature for for ABC and Uh, I was asking to do it. Um, The person in charge of ESPN at the time wanted to make an example of me, I guess is the only way to put it. Right. And, um, and he did. 
And um, I thankfully had other options. And um, I went to Los Angeles and uh, started up with NFL Network in 2003. And when I did, it was nerve wracking. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it was just um, something new uh, on top of having my identity in my mind interwoven with ESPN, which took me from small market television and put me on national television. So it was really the only thing I kind of knew and um, and so I went from 110 million homes, which ESPN was in at the time, to 11 million homes, which NFL Network was starting in. And it was it was um, uh, uh, some some uh, moments of wondering where it would go. But then NFL Network launched, and the minute I, I I I was doing what I was doing, and then we went to our first Super Bowl. So long ago, it was Tom Brady's second. Um, mm-hmm. That um, that that it was going to be successful. There were so many different signs, whether it was the people I was working with or the television we were making that was really unique and moments prior to Twitter that would have gone viral if there was social media at the time, significant like it is today. Uh, I, I definitely realized that I had made the right decision, certainly um, personal decision as well living out in los angeles as being a native new york or something always wanted to try and so yeah back in the day there were there were some questions about it and um but i i kind of realized as soon as the network hit uh air that that it was the right move right and i mean and despite the the potential fear there there was enough little encouragements along the way for you to be like wow i made the right decision were you ever afraid that you'd be pigeonheld just to football did you have big picture? Like you mentioned game shows and, and other interviews. I've listened to some of your podcasts. I'm just getting started and you're interviewing Matthew McConaughey and, and Damon John from Shark Tank. So you're able to do celebrity interviews as well outside of NFL. Um, were you ever afraid to be pigeonheld just the NFL? Well, it's, it's you know, again, um, I, I, I love getting tweets from time to time whenever I talk about something outside of football, stick to football. <laughs> and, and again, for seven years prior to doing the NFL Network, I was an all sports person. Like right. uh, I, I actually, when I started the NFL, wasn't viewed as an NFL guy. Uh, I did baseball more often than not. I was the first host of uh, Major League Baseball on ESPN Radio. I was the first studio host for that. I called baseball games. I, I, I covered the World Series for Sports Center while Stuart Scott was doing the NBA and Dan Patrick mm-hmm. was doing the NBA and. You know, as Chris Berman was pretty much the guy of the NFL at ESPN, I, I hardly talked about the NFL. And so I go to NFL Network and I, I need to make my bones as an NFL guy. And here I am. Thankfully, it's great that you would ask me such a question 20 years later. But that's kind of the reason why I started. I wanted to do NFL Network at the beginning because it was pitched to me by Steve Bornstein, who was the president of NFL Network at the time and the former president of ESPN. Um, I always joke with him that he's smart enough to have hired me twice that um, he pitched the the show NFL Total Access to me as being a late night talk show um, wrapped in a tentpole in news and information program that being in Los Angeles, we would tap into the pop culture aspect of, of things. And, you know, having worked at the NFL network for the first couple of years, it was obvious to me that the NFL was growing and has since become um, a a tentpole of American pop culture. And um, it wasn't lost on me that during the biggest game of the year and potentially the biggest 
um, sporting event the NF the uh, America holds and stages and exports around the world. Um, in the middle of that, it stopped for a rock concert. And nobody bats an eye unless there's a wardrobe malfunction, you know. Right. So uh, it was obvious to talk more and more pop culture. So I started a podcast in 2011, and um, and then the folks at Directv in 2013 reached out to me saying, next year, would you want to take your podcast and do a three-hour version of it live on television on the audience network and um, syndicated on radio nationally, similar to Dan Patrick's show, my colleague from ESPN back in the day. And uh, I said yes and um, negotiated a carve-out in my NFL contract that almost cost me my firstborn child in blood. And um, I, I, but that's the way business goes in this business. Great, and, yeah. <laughs> but I got it. I got it done. And, right. um, you know, and so, um, by the way, I was being figurative, obviously. Um, so this you know, is a safe long place. Story, yeah. Long story <laughs> short, you know, um, right. I, I, I definitely did want to diversify what I could do. That's exactly why I left ESPN is I, I'm not just some um, talking head traffic cop just setting up my analysts or at the time just doing highlights. I do love doing that, you know, still doing game day morning. Now in my 12th year doing that, I do love the role of a traditional host, but I do love talking about life and sports and movies and pop culture tomorrow yeah. on my show. I've got the producer, Jerry Bruckheimer coming in and we just went over his incredible filmography from, you know, both top gun movies to, um, remember the Titans and the national treasure movies and Armageddon and, um, you know, the pirates of the Caribbean. And for 40 minutes, we'll talk about that with him, but mix in a little bit of the, uh, team he owns the Seattle Kraken. So we'll talk a little hockey. And so you mix it all together. And that's why I love doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And you're so talented at doing that. You're a brilliant storyteller. You're a wordsmith. I've definitely heard some of the phrases that you've said before. And I'm like, Wow. How did he even come up with that? You, you do probably such a, a good job. Cookie. Probably a fortune cookie, you know, <laughs> probably, yeah, probably fortune cookie or back of a cereal box or something, but or dub chocolate. They do great too. But you know, the thing is with you is that something I also admire about you is even if something is like a hot topic, right. That might make somebody's blood boil. You do a very good job assessing the situation without slandering people, even if the person like that is being talked about, whether it's a coach or a player or a policy or anything like that, you do a very good job, you know, dissecting it for what it is, but not slandering other people because, you know, there's millions of people watching you. And I've, I think that is fascinating. I, I haven't necessarily um, gotten a grip on that in my own life. I'm a little unhinged. So it is really cool to, to watch you um, with those things. We're going to take a quick break to discuss Write It Down's brand new website. You can head over to widpod.com, W-I-D-P-O-D.com, and see all the goods. You'll notice a banner at the top of the page that says Learn More. If you click that link, it'll show you how you can support Write It Down. P.S. My favorite part about the website is the Wid Wall, which is a collection of all the Write It Downs from the show. This podcast is made possible by the 1513 Network. So, show the network some love and support by listening to their other shows. If not, just stick with Write It Down, because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Now, back to the show. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with Michael Irvin. He's the godfather of your children. Um, you guys get to work closely together. So what's that like? 
Well, I mean, um, my my wife knew him first. She okay. worked with him out in Los Angeles when she started her on-air career then. Um, so on the day of my wedding or the day before my wedding in New York in June of 2003, um, she told me I just ran into Michael Irvin here in New York City and he's coming to our wedding. And I'm like, are you like, oh, really? And <laughs> And so he showed up at my wedding in an electric blue tuxedo. And uh, all my friends from Staten Island, where I grew up, were you know, where my college friends were all like, "What the hell is Michael Irvin doing here?" And I'm like, "That's this is the woman I'm marrying. She's she knows a, a lot of people. <laughs> I know she is a legend, <laughs> right?" So uh, and then just you know, I I obviously um, got to know Michael when he came to NFL Network a couple of years after he went in the hall. So right around 2010, 2011, if I had to peg it, I just don't know it off the top of my head, and. Um, and so I adore him. He's just uh, the guy you see on the air is the guy who he is. And that's that's the hallmark of being a, a, a very successful broadcaster is you are who you are. You know, every single successful broadcaster I've come across is exactly who they are off the air, too. It's not any airs from Berman and Patrick and Olbermann and Kilborn and Stewart uh, mm-hmm. all the way to Irv and Kurt and Steve Mariucci. Like we're genuinely being our, each, ourselves on the air and that's who Michael is so when my daughter was born um nine years ago um and we we um we had a baby naming on the first Saturday of the NFL season and all the guys were in town for game day morning the next day and the rabbi said she says to me, you know, I have a certain ceremony that I like to do and it's a little unconventional. And so I like to have somebody speak at the end. Doesn't have to be a, um, a family member. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. And I remember going home and I told my wife, I told Suze, I'm like, Suze, I think I know exactly who's going to be that person. And, and it's Irv. And she, you know, like I said, she knew him first. So he gave this incredible speech about fatherhood and the importance of, of being a dad and being of being there for the kid. And I mean, he, he's, he's just the best. I, I, I do love him. He's one of my favorites. I love that too. Like what you're saying of people being who they are on camera and off camera. There's been certain people I've met that haven't been that way, but I've met people um, in the same regard as Irv is, they are, they, what you see is what you get, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they are who they are on the mic. And, and there is something that happens when the microphone turns on or the camera turns on inside of you and you get to decide, am I going to try to perform or am I just going to be me? And obviously that doesn't mean you're not polished. That doesn't mean you don't know your stuff, but you do have a split second of a choice to try to be formulated or to try to be real. And I appreciate that. And like I said, um, that was the same with you. As soon as the mic turned off and you came and talked to us, you are, you are who you are. And, and that speaks volumes, um, in that regard with your career and with who you are as a person, speaking of fatherhood, um, has that clashed with your work-life balance? How do you find the balance of still being there for your kids? Well, I mean, I, I try my best. I mean, again, uh, I, I'm just so thrilled to have a life partner who's in this business and understands. Um, and my kids kind of understand too. Like my oldest son has got his school play. Uh, I'm going to have to be in Germany for my, for the, the Bucks Seahawks game. And, you know, obviously he's disappointed, but he, he still understands. Um, I try to be present as best, as much as I can, but, Football season's difficult. 
um, for that. I don't like going on planes. I don't like going anywhere. So I'm kind of be glad that I'm off that Thursday night football treadmill. And that's kind of why I like doing this show is that I'm, I'm, I'm studio based here in LA. So, um, uh, I, I, I just try my best, you know, I mean, and that's, that's, I know that sounds like a cliche answer, but, yeah. um, if I can put them to bed, be home to put them to bed, that's what I try to do. Um, and, um, and I, I just make sure that they know me as dad first, not, not anything else. Right. Right. No. And so as you, for you as a little kid, um, were you geeked out about like, TV show hosting was that your big dream, or was it like you went to college oh, yeah. and something switched? Really, I realized early on I couldn't hit the curveball, I couldn't make the jump shot, I couldn't do a damn thing that could lead me to, um, you know, big time sports. And then, um, I so I would call the games in the streets, you know, like that's what I would kind of do. I grew up loving Marv Albert, who was the local sportscaster for the NBC affiliate in New York, and also the voice of the Knicks and the Rangers. Howard Cosell was one of my favorites as well. And you know I'm dating myself. Um, but I, I realized early on that um, I needed to talk it. And then I right. did watch, my parents would watch The Tonight Show all the time. So I watched Johnny Carson all the time. And so late night uh, television hosting for me was, um, was it. So I did stand up comedy in college a little bit. So I had that sort of, um, you know, itch that I scratched there. I did. I, I do love the give and take and the, the, the reaction of people when they laugh at stuff. And I do love the live audience. I dig it. Um, and that's part of the reason why I do this show is I've always wanted to do late night talk shows and be a host of one that hasn't happened for me, but I'd have my own version of it here right. with a desk and a chair and inter interviews and celebrities and fun segments. And, you know, um, one of the only itches I haven't been able to scratch just yet is game show hosting. I'd love that too. I'm a big You'd game kill show. it. You would kill big, it. I'm a big game show. Yeah. Nut. I'm a huge Maybe you take over wheel of fortune. I mean, I'm not trying to kick Pat say Jack out because he's no. just awesome. No, he's not but, ready. To and then, you know, I could be Vanna white because it would be nice to flip some letters. That'd be but fun. Some, you know, we all, all want to get away. All? Prizes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. So do you feel as though that you've, like kind of capped out with your career in a sense. I mean, I know there's a drive that you'll always have, but do you feel like you've quote unquote made it because you've interviewed some big time celebrities? I know you mentioned the late night talk show and the game show hosts, but do you feel satisfied with your career? Oh, sure. I do. But I'm always looking to do more. I'm always looking to see what else could potentially be out there. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not somebody that uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate. You know, I got, I got to ESPN at age 26. I'm now 53. Um, so I'm a 53 year old guy that's been, um, been on uh, national television for over 25 years. And I'm now mm -hmm. eight years in the radio. And um, I, I love my, my show is now on the, the Roku channel. So I'm in the streaming world, which I think is the future. Yeah, um, of medium. And so there's different ways to keep diversifying. I now own the show. So that's another challenge that I'm, you know, I'm never thought I would ever be in management in any way, shape or form. So, I mean, uh, uh, I, I do love what I'm doing and I'm very lucky to do it, but I'm always looking for other things to do. Sure. Right. Right. Sky's the limit sort of thing. I don't want to take too much of your time, but I do have some rapid fire questions before we get to the end of the show of our write it down. I mean, First my, one my is- The motion center went off in my room. So here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to- You walk. know what? Yeah, just dance it off. 
There it is. Do okay, what you need to do. It might go off again, but I mean, that's the product. I don't know what's happening. So. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. So we just had a big karaoke party with my family. Um, yeah. we, 80s karaoke. What would be your go-to karaoke song? Oh, I have, I have many of them. Um, okay, great. Um, I'm a Sinatra guy. I've got a very mm-hmm. low right. um, voice that I can't, you know, falsetto for me. I can't do that. It's hard. So I have a certain register. That's life is my go-to for Sinatra. Um, yeah. Also my way. I have been known to over be overserved and finish my way and take the microphone and slam it down on the ground and walk Incredible. out. Um, but if you're going to go a little bit uh, goofier, maybe a little yacht rock, um, I sing Brandy um, very well. I can nail that one. Um, I, I, um, but th- those are kind of my go-to guy. Uh, I can do some James Taylor. Well, Carolina on my mind is a little higher register for me. Okay. Um, but those are my karaoke. Go- uh, and I and may I ask, karaoke. is this like completely sober or do you need liquid courage? Like no, I just... can do it sober, but uh, doing liquid courage um, brings out a little extra yeah. brio. So whatever the fans want, right? Timber, little extra I, timber. I get it. I get it. I yeah. I don't need much, but you give me a little bit more. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Northern mm-hmm. or Southern California? Southern. Uh, okay. That's where I live. But I'm. I, I have a special place in my heart for Northern because um, that's where I got my start in TV. Redding, California. Yep. Um, way up there by the, uh, Oregon border, uh, near beautiful Mount Shasta. Um, and, um, and I do have a, a very special part in my heart for, uh, Napa Valley, um, because my choice of, of beverage is red wine. Uh, I do love it. That's where I also got engaged. So I've got wonderful memories in my life in Northern California, but I, I'm, I'm a SoCal guy right now. I like that, you know, and with the red wine, you could do like a little like what David Letterman's doing on Netflix where he has a show. I could see you with some red wine when you're yeah. like retirement, having some late night TV more on Netflix. I can see it going out to it. eat straw, no straw. What do you mean? Like, to like, drink if, uh, like down here, straw. at least in Florida, nobody gives you a straw. You have to ask for one. No, I'm not a straw guy. Not straw really. guy no straw guy. Okay. Boiled or grilled hot dog. Oh, grilled. Thank God. You know, I just went to like Chicago it, and they're all boiled. I like when it splits at the top. I like it when it splits at the top. <laughs> okay, on air, the last one. When you're on set, sorry, what's a snack or item that you must have on set? <laughs> oh, man, I try not to do that because it's so easy. I mean, when you're you're sitting on your ass, and because for me, I don't do shows. Like, whenever I do it, whenever, I don't know when the hell I would even do it. Um, no, no, like a half an hour, an hour, uh, those shows for me are ridiculous because I do a three hour show here every day. I do a four hour show on Sundays during the football season. The draft is three days long. The combine is four days long. I mean, I never do anything quick. Nothing is, you know, so I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know when I would have even time to eat during a commercial break or anything like that. But I, I try not to have any snacks out there because you sit on your ass and you don't do anything and you don't eat right. And um, if I actually had a meal plan, it would probably a good, be a good idea. My wife's always after me to have a, some sort of a meal plan yeah. where I can do that sort of thing. But uh, I mean, I don't and I try not to have soda on the set either because that just sits on you. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to That's look wise, my- though. See, it's, it's knowing yourself. Okay. I, I could see that. Cause yeah, your shows are long Always every long. single show sure. that you do. 
You don't do Honestly, like a little 30 minute unless you're trying to write it down. There's not really a 30 minute situation. Going. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a walk in the park, Brooke. It's a walk in the yeah, park. I'm glad I could I could be of service today. Um, we are getting to that point of the show though, where I ask each guest to give the audience something to write down to remember. So Rich Eisen, what is your write it down? Uh, a phrase that I use all the time and anybody who's here on the show has heard me say it over and over again and they've been able to repeat it as well. Um, is for anybody who um, needs to potentially find the, what's the word for it? I mean, courage is one way to use it because mm -hmm. sometimes trying something new and trying to take a risk on something requires it. Um, and so my mantra is, if not me, who? And if not now, when? Because if you're not going to be the one to try it, if you're not going to be the one to motivate yourself to go try something, then who's it going to be? And if you are going to try something, and if you are going to find that direction, and you are going to put your foot down and go in a different direction, or you are going to put your foot down and believe the direction you're going in is the right one, then no better time than the present. So if not me, who, if not now, when, and that's worked that. for me with the decision to leave ESPN, to come to the NFL network. It worked for me when it was the time for me to try my podcast and then um, make sure that a negotiation with, with a renegotiation with my network uh, uh, released me to do a show like this um, and then to continue on with it when, you know, trying a new endeavor in radio um, you know, I'm still learning the business eight years in, mm. um, when direct TV and AT&T called to say that we were done in December of 2019, at some point in 2020 to continue on, um, through, uh, a pandemic on YouTube only to call NBC sports in the middle of the pandemic and say, know that you were potentially interested in my show. Let's, you could take it for nothing while I'm doing it on YouTube and self-funding myself. Um, and then, uh, after being on Peacock for two years, um, accepting, um, uh, uh, an opportunity to do something new with Roku, um, every single time it's been, if not me, who, and if not now, when, mm. like, that's the way to go about it. For me. And you've definitely experienced that in your life. And I have to say, it is really cool. I have Roku seeing your, your picture, your image up there <laughs> for the Rich Eisen show. It's Thanks. really awesome to see. I was at my friend's house the other day and I was like, that's the guy. He's the guy I look up to and the guy that's going to come on my show. So it's yeah. really cool. Are you you're sure at the time that. you're like that guy who said he was coming on my show? Yeah, that's the that. liar. That lying guy, you know, in the <laughs> business. No, but honestly, you do. You pave the way for a lot of people. You trust the process. God has opened a lot of doors for you. It's super encouraging to watch. Rich Eisen, thank you so much for joining us. Catch him on Roku channel on the Rich Eisen show or NFL Network's game day morning. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the Write It Down podcast. It's been a blast. Thank you for listening to the Write It Down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 Network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to Write It Down, please subscribe, share with your friends, and if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review. For more content, follow the fun on Instagram by following at W-I-D-P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool. Stands for Write It Down Podcast, but it's abbreviated to WIDPOD. Anyways, thanks for listening, and we will catch you later.